back, my friends, to the Big Book Podcast. My name is Howard, and I'm an alcoholic. Sober since 1988, one day at a time. In this episode, the 13th story from the Personal Stories section of the first edition of Alcoholics Anonymous, published in 1939. It's entitled Award of the Probate Court, and was printed only in the first edition of the Big Book. This relatively short story provides a glimpse of the formative years of AA when old-timers were those with two or three years sober, but whose perseverance and dedication made possible a solid foundation for the entire AA movement. And now, the original story, Award of the Probate Court. At about the time of my graduation from high school, a state university was established in our city. On the call for an office assistant, I was recommended by my superintendent and got the position. I was rather his choice and pride, but a few years later I met him in a nearby city and panhandled him for two bucks for drinks. I grew with the institution and advanced in position. I took a year off for attendance at an engineering college. At college I refrained from any hilarious celebrating or drinking. War was declared. I was away from home on business at the state capitol, where my mother couldn't raise objections, and I enlisted. Overseas I was on five fronts, from Alsace up to the North Sea. Upon relief from the lines, back in the rest area, Vin Rouge and Cognac helped in the letdown from trying circumstances. I was introduced to the exhilaration of intoxication, the old spirit, what the hell, Heine may have you tagged didn't help towards any moderation in drinking then. We had many casualties, but one of the real catastrophes was the loss of a pal, a lieutenant who died from the DTs over there after it was all over. This didn't slow me up, and back in the States I had a big fling before returning home. My plans were to cover up with my mother and the girl I was to marry that I had become addicted to alcohol but I exposed the fact on the day our engagement was announced. On the way, I met a training camp buddy, got drunk, and missed the party. Booze had got over its first real blow on me. I saw her briefly that night, but didn't have the guts to face her people. The romance was over. To forget, I engaged in super active life in social, fraternal, and civic promotion of my community. This all outside my position in the president's office of the state university. I became a leader, the big flash in the pan. I organized and was first commander of the American Legion post, raised funds and built a fine memorial clubhouse, was secretary of Elks, Eagles, Chamber of Commerce, City Club, and active as an operator and officer in political circles. I was always a good fellow and controlled my drinking, indulging only in sprees in private clubs or away from home. I was deposed from the executive position at the college by a political change in the governorship of the state. I knew the sales manager of a securities division of a large utility corporation in Wall Street and started to sell securities. The issues and the market were good and I had a fine opportunity. I was away from home and I began to drink heavily. To get away from my drinking associates, I managed to be transferred to another city, but this didn't help. Booze had me. My sales and commissions diminished. I remained almost in a continuous stupor on my drawing account until I was released. I braced up, 
got sober, and made a good connection with the steamship agency, a concern promoting European travel and study at most all important universities in Europe. Those were the bathtub gin days, and for drinking in and about my office, I held out in this position for only a year. I was now engaged to be married, and fortunately, I got another position as a salesman for a large corporation. I worked hard, was successful, and my drinking became periodic. I was married, and my wife soon learned that I was no social drinker. I tried hard to control it, but could not. There were many separations, and she would return home. I would make pledges and a sincere effort, and then my top would blow off again. I began here to take sanitarium treatments to satisfy my wife and my folks. I had a great capacity for drink and work. With the help of Turkish baths, bromo seltzer, and aspirin, I held to the job. I became top-notcher in the entire sales force of the country. I was assigned to more special territory and finally into the market of keenest competition. I was top-rate in salary, won bonus awards, and was bringing in the volume. But there was always the drawback my excessive drinking made at times. I was called in once, twice, and warned. Finally, I wasn't to be tolerated any longer, although I was doing a good job. I had lasted five and a half years. I lost my wife along with my job and fine income. This was a terrible jolt. I tried for a hookup, but I had a black eye marring a good record. I became discouraged and depressed. I sought relief with booze. There began the four black years of my life. I had returned home to the community where I had been so prominent. These were dry days still, and I hung out at the clubs with bars. I got so I would last on a job but a few days, just until I could get an advance for drinks. I began to get entangled with the law, arrested for driving while intoxicated, and drunken and disorderly conduct. My folks heard of the cure at the state hospital. I was picked up drunk and sent there by the probate court. I was administered peraldehyde and came to in a receiving ward among lunatics. I was transferred to another ward of less violent cases, and I found a little group of alcoholics and junkers, dope addicts. I learned from them the seriousness of being a ward of the probate court. I felt then if I ever got released, the old devil alcohol would never get me in a jam like this again. In times of great distress such as this, I would pray to God for help. I was fortunate and was released after eleven days and nights, barred up in the Laughing Academy, Bug House. That was enough. I wanted no more of it. I took a job as a manager of a club and put myself to the old acid test. I was going to really assert my willpower. I even tended bar part of the time, but never imbibed a bit. This lasted about three months. I went to an annual convention of my overseas division and came to locked up in a cheap hotel room. New shoes, suit coat, hat, and purse missing. I must have slipped badly. Then followed much drinking and trouble. After a few arrests for intoxication, the law decided another sojourn to the state hospital would tame me. They jumped the stay this time from 11 days to 11 weeks. It was getting tough for me. I came out in good physical condition and held a fear of getting probated again, thinking the siege might be eleven months. I got another job, stayed dry for about two months, 
and off to the races again. I became terribly weak, couldn't eat, and tried to get nourishment from booze and mostly only bootleg at that. One time I just made it to a hospital, and another time a police patrol took me to the hospital instead of the jail. I suffered badly from insomnia. As many as three shots in the arm had no effect. I would get in shape and back at it again. I was going to battle to the finish. The time came when I was to be paid my soldier's bonus. I had the limit or maximum coming. Friends advised my folks to send me to a veteran's hospital before I got this money in my hands. I was probated again, held in a county jail for two weeks, and sent again to the asylum. This was my summer resort for three months. I was on the waiting list for the veterans' hospital, but I got into such wonderful physical condition from eating and working out of doors that I was released. I reached home full of resentment against my folks for their having my money tied up in a guardianship. I went out and got saturated and landed in jail. I had been free from the asylum for about eight hours. Behind the bars again so soon... This was bad. However, I was freed again the next day, and this was my last confinement with the law. I began to use my head. I continued to drink, but kept under cover or hid in the jungles with the bums. In a few months, an old friend came along. He located me a few times in saloons. We had been drinking pals in the early days, particularly at the clubhouses. He had heard of my predicament. He himself had quit drinking and looked fine. He encouraged me to visit him in a nearby city. I wanted to quit drinking, but hadn't much faith in ever getting away from it. I agreed to go into a hospital as a patient of a doctor who had been an alcoholic for many years and was now a new man. It is almost uncanny. In just eight days I left there a different person. This doctor, in plain words, was a wonderful guy. He spent many hours with me, telling me his experience with alcohol. Others of his band, which was then small, visited me, told me their stories. They were all strangers to me, but treated me as a friend. I was impressed with their interest and fellowship. I learned the secret. They had a religious experience. I was willing, and renewed my acquaintance with God and acknowledged Him as a reality. I found it easy. I came to life and have been free now for two years. I hope never to take another drink. I am building up a reputation again, and nearly every day am complimented on my appearance. I have a new outlook on life. I look forward to each day with happiness because of the real enjoyment it is to me to be sane, sober, and respectable. I was existing really from one drink until the next, with no perception about circumstances, conditions, or even nature's elements. My acquaintance with God, lost and forgotten when I was a young man, is renewed. God is all-loving and all-forgiving. The memories of my past are being dimmed by the life I now aspire to. This concludes the reading of Award of the Probate Court from the first edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm grateful you listened. Stay tuned for the next episode entitled Riding the Rods. 
If this is the first time you've listened to this podcast, please note that all 11 chapters in the main section of the Big Book are in earlier episodes that you can listen to anytime. Download and subscribe for free to the Big Book Podcast at Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or listen at our website, bigbookpodcast.com, where you will also find transcriptions of chapters in the main section of the Big Book. If you enjoyed listening, I'd be super grateful if you can leave a rating or review. It'll help others find us. And please, share this podcast with your friends and anyone you know who has a desire to stop drinking. It may be the only version of the Big Book they ever hear. (laughs) 